Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, episode number 60. This is everyone's favorite reoccurring segment and our only reoccurring segment, <laughs> Ask a Black Belt number five. This is going to be epic. <laughs> you just wanted an excuse to use your little soundboard. I have two buttons on here and- uh, Hang on, it. what's the other one? This one? Yeah, crickets. Yeah. You've got four empty buttons. You could put stuff yep. on them. Yeah, let's let's load it up and just this will be the soundboard podcast. Yeah, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> anyway, it feels like a while since we've done an ask a black. Belt. It has been a while. Our last ask a black belt was what, episode, episode 50. 40. Remember, oh, because so we did yeah. episode fifty was so, like our ah oh, half century. So technically, this should be number six, but we skipped it for a special half century episode, That's right. which aired just after New Year's, I believe. So episode 60, we have a whole load of questions in the bank, ready to go. We'll do um, the same for episode 100, right? Episode 100, yeah. let's, hang on, I'll put this out there right now. I know you're going to say no, but I'm just going to suggest it anyway. So two weeks ago, was it now? You and I were both invited to the same wedding. It was yeah. heaps of fun. It was lots of fun. But what was, at least for me, unique about the wedding was that uh, it was a Polish wedding. So every table had vodka on it. Yeah. And every single like toast was, wasn't just like, oh, raise your glasses. It was like, raise your shot glass. Yeah, yeah. So the tables had bottles of vodka and shot glasses. So every single speech was like a shot of vodka. You don't drink. Um, I don't drink that much. I had all of last year without drinking. But I don't know. I feel like episode 100, maybe we should do something, Kieran. Have some shots, celebrate. Imagine Kieran <laughs> drunk recording a podcast. It'd I have be not hilarious. been drunk. I have not been drunk in I can't remember the last time I was actually drunk. I remember the last time I drank and it was a different wedding and I was best man and I had two drinks. And that's the very loose? last time. Well, not really. I was, you know, I was pretty together, but I only had two drinks. One champagne with and I only drank half of it and one beer with the with the groom um, or something like that. That's that it. And it. that's the last time I drank and it was in 2019. Oh, so not that long ago. Like no, not, not really. No, ago. it was t- 20, 2018. 2019? No, 2019. I'll stick by my well, guns. We'll maybe have to get you no, drunk it was like the old Navy Sorry, days. It was end of 2018. Okay. Yeah, okay. whatever. Get, doesn't matter. Like old Navy days. Kieran. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so today- Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. So whoa, 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 one whoa, whoa, last whoa. thing. Bow, 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 bow. So to not get off topic- uh, but before before we move into the episode, if anyone has, so there's a bit of an argument Kieran and I keep having that he's, we, I said this in a couple of episodes ago, people are going on, oh, you've got to change the artwork to Kieran having a blue belt. He's got a blue belt now. And I'm saying, I've seen no evidence. All these so-called messages go to Kieran's Instagram. Mm. Was, oh, I don't have access to his Instagram. These are falsified. So- I'm going to ask people to send through more uh, messages with requests. If you have a request of something you would like to see on the 100th episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's yeah, a while yeah, off, yeah. right? I mean, it's still. Well, it's this year. It's going well, to be this it'll year. It'll be this year. It's still 40 episodes off. Mm. But if you have like, man, you guys should do this. All right. We'll put it out there. Maybe we'll do Maybe it. Maybe we'll go to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> episode 100 in Brazil, Sao Paulo. Yeah, Maybe. imagine Alliance that. Headquarters. Yeah, yeah. So if, this is portable. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so put it, put it, send us messages if you got any ideas of what we should do. Episode 100. Yeah, I'm all ears. Okay, so let's get into the questions. We have a, a few 
more than a few questions to uh, to go over today. Just before we begin, if you want to submit a question to the show, there's a link in our Instagram link tree. It's I'm pretty sure it's the first link. If you click that, it will enable you to leave a voice message question and then we'll have your voice message on the show. We want to start transitioning to voice message format because I think it would be really awesome to hear your voices on the show. You'll be able to hear yourself back. I submitted a question to my favorite podcast like, oh man, years over six years ago and my question actually got accepted once and it was like the the best thing ever, right, for me. Uh, I'm not saying that it would be for you, but what a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't imagine. know where I'm going with They're that. They're like, I've made it. <laughs> I've made it. I'm fucking curing it out of my voice. <laughs> no, we love you all. Okay, so let's get into the first question. And it is from Amy Campo. And Amy is a white belt. And I'm just going to read her question straight up. So her question is, I am a two-stripe white belt who has been training for just under a year. I received those stripes from someone who is no longer my coach due to their gym closing. I currently train BJJ three times per week, uh, depending on my schedule. I work shift work and mostly nights, so getting consistent training schedule can be difficult. In order to attend more classes, I recently joined another gym. So my training is currently split at two different gyms under two different coaches. My newest coach asked me who I wanted to be graded under. I'm not sure how to decide or how to answer that. Any advice would be appreciated. This one's straight on you ads. That's a super good question. I've had similar experiences with this with students of my own where I have students who train at my gym and other gyms and I've put that I've sorry, I've never put that question to them, but I've made them aware that they need to make that choice. You do need to choose who you want to be graded under. How do you make that choice? Well, firstly, I would want to know, Amy, do both these gyms know that you train at both the gyms? If they do and they're cool with it, that's cool. That's how they should be. Okay. Obviously, we know some gyms are a bit more, oh, if you train here, you can't train there. But if they both cool with you training at both locations, that's awesome. But you do need to choose who you grade under. The only time you wouldn't need to choose that is if the two gyms to have like a really good relationship and they kind of co-grade you. That's not unheard of. My coach, Fabio, has I think three or four black belts under him that are joint black belts that both him and Hodger Gracie have given together, right? Because the, the student had trained under both of them throughout the years. So unless they have some sort of relationship like that, you will need to choose. How do you choose which one? I mean... There's a few factors to consider depending what you want out of it. You might just choose the coach you like the most. You might choose the gym that you, you know, are there two of the three days a week. You might choose the coach who has a better name for them and is more credible because, I mean, that can go a long ways. So there's really no right answer. Okay. It's who do you want to be graded under? Who do you feel more connection to? Who do you feel is the instructor that's more invested in your development as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, right? I would, you know, maybe coach A, you really get along with, you have great rapport with them, but they actually don't really give a crap about your improvement as, as a jiu-jitsu practitioner. And the other dude, maybe you actually don't really care for them as a person, but when you're in the gym as a student, they're super invested in you and your progression. For me, that's probably the more important factor. Like I, you know, I looked for when I was 
choosing where I wanted to train, I looked for the most uh, prestigious and credible and also gym that had instructors that that pushed me. And I mean, actually, I gave a, a speech at, at, at our gym earlier this week where one of the things I said was to my students, I'm always going to want more from you. I'm always going to – I want to see you get better. And if you ever feel like I'm not asking for more – then you should go find a new gym because it means I don't care anymore. You know, like I'm always going to want you to get better. <laughs> so which, which instructor do you feel is the most – try remove all the emotions and go which, which instructor is actually more invested in helping me improve? That's who, who in my opinion, you should grade under. But like I said, there are multiple factors to consider, you know. Yeah, who do you get along with the most? Who do you, yeah, which gym do you spend a bit more time at? Who gives out blue belts easier? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, which one's going to fast track me? Yeah, you know, get that so, fast track program. So, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, there's no instant right answer. Mm. And the reality is you might, you're probably going to upset the coach that you choose not to grade under. But, I mean there's there's no way around it you know but have a, take all those factors into consideration and then make that decision awesome yeah I, I, ho- I hope that makes sense i'm sorry i couldn't just give you choose this coach oh it's got to be the first gym that you started training at no right like have you ever had someone train under you and someone else and chose the other person to be graded under not not the exact same situation so yeah. there's two situations that happened for me so one is a student who used to train at a different gym, was training full-time at a different gym because uh, he trained at that gym because it was near his office, so he would train in his lunch break. But he lived near my gym, right? And he would train at my gym every now and again when it it worked. He's got a family and kids and school drop-off and pick-up and whatever. So for him, training it on his lunch break at this other gym was better. And then I said to him pretty much from the beginning, because he trained like a decent amount with me. And I said to him, like at the beginning, look, you're like, I have none of that. Oh, you train here. You can't train there. I said, you're welcome to train and continue to be graded under that gym. It's not a problem whatsoever. You need to get that. Now my door's ringing. Yeah, Don't worry Kieran's about it. doorbell is like getting buzzed right now. No, fuck it. <laughs> uh, and so I said, you can continue to train here, train there, and continue to be graded under them. I won't touch your belt or anything. It's fine. It's not a problem. However, if anything ever changes, you're always more than welcome to, like I said, I said, I will always treat you like you're my student. I'll always, like, I've got nothing to hide. I'll always be trying to teach you and help you. But, you know, you, the whatever gym is your gym continue to train there, grade under them, cool. But if anything ever changes, that's fine. And we went as far to, he did some privates with me in the lead up to his blue belt test at this other gym. Oh, wow. Right? Like, and then anyway, circumstances changed and whatever. And one thing led to another and he ended up saying like, oh, I'm going to change and I'm just going to train here. It was more, I think it was just all during COVID and logistics and timetables changing and, yeah. you know, not going to the office and whatever. It just all of a sudden made, I like to think he left them for me. But, you know, I think just logistically it started to make more sense for him. And so 
he he started training just with me, but he told me that. So now, like, I, I grade him, right? So he's officially made that change. You know, so I have another student that's the exact same situation. It's even the same gym. You know, like he lives closer to my gym, but he works closer to this other gym. And I've had the exact same conversation with him where, where I've said, man, you can train here, train there, train both, right? I won't have anything to do with grading you. But if the day ever comes that you want to be graded under me, you're always welcome. But until then, I will always still treat you like a student. And, and yeah, he hasn't chosen to be graded under me, right? He still trains at that gym. He trains at both, right? And it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Mm. But if he ever makes that choice to be graded under me, that's cool. So it wasn't like, I think it'd be different. I don't know. It would kind of suck. I, I guess it would hurt a little bit if someone started under me and then all of a sudden came to me and said, oh, I'm also training at this gym and I want to grade under them. I would get it, like, but I would also be a bit like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be a little bummed. But, I mean, you know, it's their choice. I, yeah. And long-time listeners would know I'm a big advocate of you don't own your students and it's your responsibility to pl- – supply a service to them and they're free to to go anywhere else they like you know so yeah so that's kind of to answer your question amy in a roundabout way you got to take all those factors into consideration and you do need to to make that choice you know and it's it's your choice to make you know i say to my my students who think i'm stingy with belts or they say, I'm sandbagging. I go, no, I'm not sandbagging. I've just got standards. And, you know, there's plenty of other gyms that give out belts easier than I do. Yeah. But, you know, I try to hold my students to the standard I was held to, which I believe is incredibly high. So, you know, if you want an easy blue, purple, brown, black belt, don't come train with me, right? I'm not saying it's not obtainable to get from me. Of course it is. But, you know, so you've got to make that yeah, shit. you got to make your choice yeah. amy and, and yeah and it's yours to make and and if anyone gets pissed off like <laughs> tell them to stick it <laughs> <Sambar, bro. laughs> so next question is from anthony who is a four stripe blue belt and anthony asks what is the ideal training volume of a higher belt um another good question i mean how what what is that higher belt wanting to achieve if you let's just the average person isn't a competitor so let's say it's a higher belt like a purple or brown belt and they're still wanting to progress and get better like you should always want to progress and get better jiu-jitsu only gets harder but if you look at it like like a uni degree your fourth year should be harder than your first year you know it only gets harder so if you think about it like that, you know, if you're a purple belt or a brown belt and, okay, maybe you're not a competitor, but you're still wanting to be a competent purple belt, brown belt who wants to get their black belt one day. Oh, man. Like you got to be doing three, three to four, yeah. three to four days a week. You know, I think I, I've said multiple times that, I would never give out a black belt to someone who jiu-jitsu hasn't become, you know, almost a fundamental pillar in their life. You know, it's, it is not like karate where you just do your time. Like it is not a do your time, get your belt sport, right? If you just do your half ass two classes a week, every week, cool, man, you're going to be a purple belt forever. For me, at least anyway, like I don't want that to sound rude, but I, Going back to what I said before, like I'm always going to want you to be better and I'm 
I don't want you to, I don't, if I give you a brown belt, I don't want you to ever feel like you're not a competent brown belt. You don't have to be the best brown belt in the world. That's unrealistic to think only right. the best in the world at that said belt gets that belt. So, so when you get a, when, when you get a, a colored belt under yourself, there should be no doubt that you have earned that belt or that yeah. you are deserving of that belt. Well, look at you who like got your blue belt two months ago mm. and then like you're already a competent blue belt. You went and won gold at your first competition as a blue belt mm. like last week. Okay. So that's, that's what I want for my, for my students. So man, like you got to be training three, four, like two weeks, two days a week is just maintenance. Right? And anyone in any physical sport would tell you that, you know, like if, if you do weights, like, I mean, even the bloody health, uh, the governing health body of the country tells you that, you know, you need to exercise two to three times a week, you know, like, so jujitsu is also your exercise. So just to maintain it and be a healthy human being, you need to be doing it two to three times a week, but you're now wanting to like achieve a certain rank in jujitsu that, that not many people get to and that's harder than other martial arts and three, four times a week. And they should be proper training sessions. Like not your little measly hour class. They should be like two hour class. Like when I say train, like for me, a, a training session is minimum one and a half to two hours. Like a one hour jujitsu session for me is like, Oh fuck, I've got this thing on. It's this or nothing, you know, but otherwise, you know, that's what I, I, I don't see people getting past for me and my standards kind of past blue belt without putting in that time. And it's just because of the fact that jujitsu is just getting harder. Like it's evolving so much, man. Like it's so, you know, it, you can't just half ass it. Like it's a really, really hard sport, you know, and there's so much to learn you need to put in the time and the volume. Otherwise it's, it's just not enough like hours in the day or weeks, you know, days in the week or whatever. You got to do a huge amount of volume to be getting you know, more than I used to do almost like, you know, when I got my black belt, the you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was three and a half years ago, but even then the standards have already changed from then to today. It's like every year the standards are getting higher, which means you have to do more train more like, I always give stupid analogies. Like if you're not racing go-karts when you're a three-year-old, you're not making it into Formula One. Like that's the reality of, you know, tennis play, the best tennis players, the best golfers, they're doing it almost before they can walk, you know, and jujitsu is on that trajectory as well. So yeah, a yeah. lot of volume. In the, in the comp uh, last weekend, we haven't really talked about it. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a future episode, uh, but I – in absolute division came up against a 17 year old. And afterwards I, you know, I was just talking to him. He won his division and I won mine. Then we faced off in absolute. And I asked him just in conversation, like, Oh, how long have you been training? So I knew he was quite young and he goes six years and he's 17. Right. You know? And I'm like, oh, and you've fuck. been training for <laughs> two years. I mean, uh, we had even. lockdown, right? So yeah, less I'd than say, two. I'd say actual training time about a year, actual time, just under 18 months, including lockdowns. Yeah. A 17 so, year old who's been training for six years. Yeah. And right? I was like, damn, I was like, how old are you? And he's like 17. I'm like, fuck, I hope I didn't offend him. But I was like, man, when you're like in your twenties, you're going to be an absolute killer. Not that you're not, but you're going to be a beast dude. And he's yeah. like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, 
It's a tough, tough okay, match. Okay, not everyone wants to be a competitor and not everyone wants, but like it comes a point where it's pass or fail. Mm. Like, I don't know if we spoke about this on the podcast or if you and I were just having a conversation, but you know, you being a ex um, navigation officer in the Navy and you were telling me about when you, you part of your job used to be training trainees and there there's a particular exercise or test or whatever that you would get to that was to put it simply, oh, if you fail, like you're out of the, you're kicked out of the Navy essentially. Like this is make or break, right? And life gets to those points. There's certain things that if you don't pass, like, sorry, it's not like you get kicked out of jujitsu, but you know, it's like, well, you don't, man, I can't give you that belt. Like I can't pass you until you do whatever, Yeah. you know, and jujitsu is really hard and it's a bit more vague than that because it's subjective and it's at the instructor's discretion. But I only, you know, I'm not saying that when I tie a purple belt on my student that they need to be able to make podium at worlds instantly. But I mean, I never want you to feel like you're not a legitimate purple belt when I put that belt on you or yeah. a legit, I want you to know that, and I want you to feel like you've earned it and that you're proud of it. And there's not doubt in your mind. hundred percent. So a yeah. huge amount of volume, okay. unfortunately. So to, <laughs> or fortunately. to summarize, obviously depending on your goals, but talking to the everyday person, if you want to be training at the level of a purple belt, et cetera, you need to minimum be doing four, one and a half to two hour sessions per week. That's, that's what a, I would say. That's a starting point and it goes yep. up from there. Yeah. Depending again, depending on your goals, if you want to be a successful competitor, you know, you need to be doing a lot more two a day. Just, I mean, there's just no buts about it. Yeah. You know, you're a rock climber, you want to climb a harder rock face, and you got to train more. Like that's okay. just how it is. So next question. Uh, thanks, Anthony, for that question. Next question is from Alex, who is a blue belt. And Alex, this is this is a personal one for you, Adam. Actually, I haven't usually I've read these questions ahead of time. Yeah. But I have not. You've not seen a single one. I haven't yeah, seen these any These are completely authentically blind, but yeah. this is a good question. Uh, what was it like training with uh, Bernardo Faria? Man, it was awesome. Bernardo's like, yeah, anyone listening who's like, who's that? Bernardo Faria is the, you know, you probably know him as the BJJ Fanatics guy. He's the, he, it's a he huge, that, it's right? a huge honor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know who he owns it with, but yeah, he's, he's not he's the a, sole. But he's a part owner. Yeah. Of, yeah. He also has his gym in Boston and yeah, he's a four time world champion. Right. So man, Bernardo is pretty much exactly how he comes across online and in his videos. And He's just like such a lovely, nice person. And it's quite funny actually, because I'd originally I'd never met Bernardo, but the city that Bernardo is from is a city called Jujifora, which is like uh like three hours inland from Rio. Okay. The city that Bernardo's from is the same city that my wife's from. Oh, okay. So when I first went, the very first time I went to Brazil was just like uh like on a holiday on my way to Canada. And so I was in Jujifara and I went to train at this gym. This was actually the first jujitsu gym I ever trained at actually. So I had previously done in Australia, I did, you know, Hapkido when I was younger, when I didn't know any better. And then I got into Muay Thai and realized I don't like getting punched and kicked. And then I had a friend of mine who was a white belt, you know, and then UFC and stuff. So we would like, 
like a lot of people, I think, who kind of just like wrestle but don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to get into jujitsu, but I was saving money to travel and everything. So the first jujitsu gym I actually trained at was this one in Jujifada, which turned out to be Bernardo's gym. <laughs> right. So Bernardo's not actually a black belt from Fabio. Bernardo's a black belt from this guy called Ricardo Marquez in Jujifada, and the team is Brazilian top team. And I already knew I was moving to Sao Paulo to train with Fabio. And Bernardo was already a world champion at that stage. And Ricardo had back then all the photos of all his black belts up on the wall. And Bernardo was like a superstar to them because he was like, man, Bernardo's like a world champion. He's from this gym. You know, it wasn't like Fabio's gym that's full littered with world champions. Um, And yeah, so I trained there. And I think Bernardo came, he was already living in Sao Paulo at this time because Ricardo you know, with Bernardo had all these goals to be world champion and, and Ricardo's the one who kind of pushed him and was like, man, go train, go to move to Sao Paulo, train with Fabio and everything. And yeah, Ricardo had came and visited. And I remember like, like I met him and I was like, oh, I'm going to be moving to, to Sao Paulo, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, I ended up moving to Sao Paulo and, and training with, with Bernardo and man, like it's super hard. I used to always get put in groups with Bernardo and Leo Nogueira. And just because I was tall, but I was not as heavy as them. I mean, <laughs> nowadays I walk around like pretty close to 100 kilos, but back then I was, um, you know. You can beat it at 88. <laughs> yeah, right? I used to fight 88 in the gi. So I was like down at like 86 kilos. And Bernardo and Leo were like big 100 kilo guys. And I was a blue belt and they were heavier than me and already black belt world champions. But I would always get put in their group because I was big. And, you know, I like to think I could give them some difficulty, but. You know, probably not. And uh, man, it was heaps of fun. I remember one time I was um, I was rolling with Bernardo and I was in his deep half guard. And, and rolling with Bernardo is super fun. Bernardo is, uh, I mean, I haven't trained with him for years, so I don't know what it is like nowadays. But in the gym, Bernardo is like, you know, he tries so many things. Like he's so humble, you know, Bernardo doesn't, and I believe I've heard him say this before, he doesn't care if like a white belt taps him. Like in the gym, he's really like of that mindset, like, man, it's just training. Like take risks, try this, like we're training, you know? And then when you go compete, okay, now it's competition time, you know? And um, so rolling with him, super fun. And I remember one time, like I um, was in his deep half guard and I'd been working on this like pass for deep half guard. And like, as he went for the sweep, I changed like and passed straight to neon belly. And like didn't consolidate it because Bernardo was just like, hell no, and just like kicked <laughs> me up and swept me. And you know, for him it was probably probably wouldn't even remember it because it was just some a role, whatever, yeah. just a roll with some blue belt. But for me, I remember that moment. And um, yeah, man, it was so nice to train with him. And he really is in person, like he comes across in in the videos. Like he's just always smiling really friendly person, uh, you know, always was always happy to answer any questions, like any technique questions I might've had. And, you know, he's just a dude. I remember like he also when earlier when he started, he doesn't do it so much any, anymore because he's more into the instructionals. But if you remember, he used to always post YouTube videos. I was going to mention ha- that. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> where he would like post a technique, like someone teaching a technique. He still does. And it was kind of when he first started doing that was similar to when I, when I got my black belt. I remember, you know, 
it was a huge honor for me, you know, when yeah. he when he was like, oh, Adam, like, come, can you come teach a technique for my YouTube channel? And I was like, holy shit, Bernardo's asking me to teach a technique for his YouTube channel. And and then it was almost came full circle. You don't circle. say that when I ask you to teach a technique <laughs> for my fucking <laughs> yeah. YouTube channel. You should be like, holy shit, <laughs> Kieran wants me on the YouTube channel, I'm famous. <laughs> but it was funny because it kind of came full circle because the technique I taught is um, like an Ezekiel using the lapel from Mount, which – you know, more recently, Andrew Wills from Daisy Fresh showed the same choke when he was with Bernardo. And Bernardo was like, wow, that's amazing. He always says that. And I was like, fuck you, Bernardo. I already showed that to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I've never seen this before. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't even that, like, I was like, oh, I, I showed – Bernardo, you've seen that before. I taught it to you. No, because who taught me that choke? It's fucking Bernardo. No, it was Bernardo's first coach, Ricardo Marquez, oh, back oh. in Brazil. Like, so that that choke that I still do to today and love, I learned originally from Bernardo's original instructor in Jiu Fodder in Brazil. Fuck no so way. Like, so like, you know, when I showed it to Bernardo, I remember being like, yeah, man, Ricardo taught me this, you know, just off camera when we were yeah. just – you know, talking. So like when Andrew Will showed it and he was, and I was like, wow, man, that's amazing. I was like, fuck you, bro. It's like, <laughs> you know, I did that. I already did that joke for your YouTube channel and I learned it from your coach. So I know you know it. You know? I'm going to jump. I'm going to find that video. Jump in the comments, link your video and be like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I was doing some research yeah. and the, the great and powerful Adam Charles. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I will say, if you haven't seen Andrew Wills, it's the exact same choke, but just some of the details of the way he explains it and sets it up, yeah. you know, is different to the way I do it. And that's, I mean, one of the things I love about jujitsu is when I like, for example, that choke, if I come across some other instructor or whatever, I'll ask them, Oh, how do you do this choke? Cause they might have, even though I know how to do it, like they probably do it different to me. And that's what I love about jujitsu. They may that's, have a small detail. Yeah. Like, so many. I was just, just on that. I was, watching you talk to, I can't even remember who it was in the gym yesterday at lunch. And you're talking about maintaining side control or something along those lines. And then you gave, you, you've probably given this detail so many times, but for whatever reason, I was just paying attention, listening to what you're saying. And you're like, yeah, you really have to grab the shoulder and pull down to oh, maintain. To probe it. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. And I, I saw that and I was like, oh, fuck me. That's that, that is a detail I have forgotten. And that is why my side control sometimes isn't as strong as it could be. And I can't pin the shoulders. And then I started implementing it straight away. I'm like, yeah, okay, we got this back. It's, it's so it's so funny, like these small little details. And they make a big difference, yeah. They really can. And I, I remember when uh, you've said this on the podcast before, but even even to this day, if you were to to do a hip escape for Fabio, he'd be able to give yeah, you, probably, yeah, he'd probably, be able to yeah. correct your your technique and give you some detail. And it's it's those tiny little details. When you when I've seen you teach a technique, maybe for the third or fourth time, or even the second time, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I remember this. And then I remember going through a different mental process because I don't have to focus so much on the concept. I can then narrow in on yeah. those details and be like, okay, I keep getting stuck in this position trying to do that technique. Oh, it's because I'm fucking not doing the grip properly or I'm not locking down the shoulder like in the yeah. side control example. So yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned from focusing in on the small details once you're competent with the conceptual understanding of the technical position. Yeah. But yeah, to, just to summarize that for you, Alex, awesome training with Bernardo, awesome training with Leo as well. Uh, if you don't know who he is, Leo Noguera, also a world champion. Him and Bernardo used to close out the heavyweight division a lot of the time, or the super heavy, sorry. Uh, Leo's now the head coach of the Alliance in Atlanta. 
both super lovely dudes. Um, actually, one of my students, Ollie, recently messaged Lel on Facebook being like, really? oh, hey, man, I'm watching your instructional. I have a few questions. And, you know, and he wrote him back and helped him and even recorded a video explaining it. And yeah, then Ollie, fuck, are you yeah. serious? And then Ollie was like, oh, he, he sent him a photo of me and Ollie. He's like, oh, I train with Adam. And he was like, oh, yeah, cool, no way. And, you know, so they're both lovely dudes, but, yeah. Bernardo is That's exactly how he insane. comes across on That's camera. That's the beauty of jiu-jitsu as it stands at the moment because it's not it's it's growing and we always talk about that and everyone understands that it's growing rapidly and one day, you know, it is going to be a, a lot bigger sport. But comparing it to something like Formula 1 or golf or something with these the the top athletes are on a pedestal and they're untouchable. Yeah, like they're, you you can you can message them. At the moment them. they're still accessible. I mean, I sent a yeah. dick pic to Gordon Ryan and he sent one straight back. I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, currently these people are still accessible. Yeah, you know? which is which is such a beautiful thing because other athletes, you message them, they have a social media team managing. They're not going to they're not going to reply yeah. and even if they do, it's going to be a canned response from a social media manager. Uh, or even a bot like but it's 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 so awesome that they would message back and i think i mentioned this on the episode where we're talking about how to get the most out of doing private lessons and i said if you did a private lesson with like a well-known jiu-jitsu athlete and you emailed them for like feedback they they might respond and that's funny (laughs) that ollie was watching an instructional and got a response that's beautiful i think that's great i think that's fantastic you know um cool thanks for the question alex Next question is from uh, Job Pasta. Um, this is a question off of Instagram. <laughs> this is I, I sort of warned Adam that there was a, uh, a very, should you we see, say, like curveball. Oh, okay, you called it a joke question. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Okay, so here's the question. Gorilla versus grizzly bear. What's their method of winning and who ultimately wins? <laughs> Gorilla versus Grizzly Bear. That's you know, I used to watch these old Discovery Channel shows that were like, there was, a, there was a series, I can't remember what it was called, but I remember one of them was like, um, you know, something like, you know, polar bear versus crocodile or something like that. And they built all these contraptions to like see what would win. Oh, that's funny. Grizzly- so let, let's, let's establish some parameters here. Let's say we're talking about a silverback, like a big male and a male grizzly. Yeah. Just to level Um, out the the playing field. Yeah, I don't know because like I've never seen – I've seen grizzlies in person but never like really up close, Mm. whereas I've seen silverbacks up close. Really? Well, yeah, just at the zoo I mean. Oh, right. Like like, because like they're a bit more active than – you know, bears are kind of like when you go to the zoo and you see a lion sleeping over in the back of the enclosure, you know, like I've never seen a grizzly up close, but I've seen silverbacks like walk really close to the glass. And I know how crazy strong and I don't know, man, I'm going to give my money on the silverback and I'm going to say, how does it beat it? Actually, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, it's hard. hard. That's a hard, it's hard one. Because like I like to think like, I mean, what's a silverback going to do? Like choke it? No. like It's going to like beat the fuck out of it or try to. <laughs> like if it was to win, it would be just like, you know, ripping it. Yeah. Beating it but up. But then it's like, you know, it's a fucking those grizzly, bears bro. have got big claws and yeah. very sharp, big teeth. Mm. But I mean, gorillas have pretty sharp teeth as well. They I do. don't know. I'll say one of the... One of the most, I don't know, I don't want to like say it like it's harsher than it is. It's not traumatic. But I remember watching a documentary and it was these 
I don't know if they were gorilla. I think they were just chimpanzees, which compared to a silverback, a bloody tiny, right? It does still fuck up a human. Dude, so strong. Yeah. And it was that they um, they were hunting other monkeys, right? And they would that they what they would do is they would send a squad up into the canopy, and they would chase the monkeys. But they would already have another squad of the chimpanzees like further down in the canopy. So they would get sandwiched mm. and then they would have chimpanzees on the ground to like. <laughs> That's so coordinated. Would, yeah, super coordinated. And I remember seeing the footage and actually like I really like nature documentaries, but none of the, it's for, you know, when you see like the, the lion chasing the wildebeest, like I always want the wildebeest to get away, even though it's like, yeah, but the lion's like literally starving to death, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. I just don't like seeing the actual killing part happen. And anyway, the monkey fell out of the tree and the chimp grabbed it. And man, you could like the, ch the monkey was looking straight at the camera and you could see it like it was like, like something out of a movie scrambling, trying to get away. And the chimp just like grabs it by the arms and just like rips it in Pop, half. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's, and that's silverbacks are like twice the size. A huge Like I, I have no idea what, you know, metrics they, they can actually like strength they can actually produce, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Grizzlies are fast too. Like they're big and strong and yeah. Let's say, let's imagine it's in anime form. Yeah. I'm going to say the, the, the silverback like rips the grizzly's arm off. I'm, I'm actually, I, I started thinking when I first read the question, I, I started thinking leaning toward the grizzly, but as I sort of dissected it, I think the gorilla's got it. The reason I think the gorilla's got it and the the method of winning is because let's assume they're similar ish in weight. Maybe the grizzly has a little bit more weight. I'm assuming maybe yeah, yeah. they're probably similar in strength. Uh, grizzly, you know, has that those hectic claws and you know a fucking crazy bite. But the gorilla is is probably more, you know, it's more limber. It's got arms. It doesn't have like fucking four legs. It's got fucking yeah, arms. Yeah. So I think it could um, like, like hold yeah, on, grab, thrash, you know, grab the neck, pound the face, go and for a, a scarf, scarf tie, and fucking <laughs> ground and pound that bitch. <laughs> and I've seen King Kong, so I mean, yeah, exactly. So hang on. That bitch can just, catch just, planes. Just before we move on, let's go. Are you, are you actually going to Google it? Because that's cheating. <laughs> well, no, I just want to I just want to see um, the weight of a silverback between 300 and 500 pounds, uh, okay. which would be what in kilos? Pounds is like 2.2. 2. 300 to 500 pounds is like, I don't know, two, 200 kilos. Wow. So the grizzly yeah. has like a fuckload of weight on the, well, what's a on the grizzly? silverback. I think they're like a ton, aren't they? I've no idea. That seems like a big animal, though. Holy shit! Grizzly bears weigh upwards of seven hundred pounds. Oh, okay, that changes things. The, I the males are heavier than the than the females and can right. weigh up to seventeen hundred pounds. Holy fuck! I might That's need to research. Seven hundred and seventy <laughs> kilos. Holy shit! So it's two hundred kilos for seven hundred kilos. Okay, I've Holy changed mine. Holy crap! I'm going for the grizzly. Holy crap! <laughs> Hang on. So, five, for some reason in my mind, I was imagining like a similar size. Yeah, so size. 500 pounds is 226 kilos versus 700. And Does that like, change your answer? Man, that's three times the weight. I mean, I roll with someone who's like 5% heavier than mm. me. This mm. is 300% heavier. Oh man, I don't know. I might give it to the grizzly. That's <laughs> that's like a very big weight de deficit. Fuck it. You know what? I'm back in the underdog. I'm sticking with the <laughs> I'm sticking with the gorilla. 
All right, next week on the on <laughs> on, on Kieran's YouTube, you're gonna see the yeah. grizzly. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so next question is actually um, I'm gonna hijack this a little bit because I have a couple questions that I wanted to ask you. Oh, a little man. bit, a little bit selfishly. Um, so this question's from me. Mm. How often would you? Okay. This is obviously me asking, so tailor it to me, I suppose, and the audience understands that I want to compete regularly, et cetera, et cetera. How often should I be competing realistically? Realistically? Yeah, within a, uh, within a bracket. Six comps a year. Okay, cool. Is a good, is a good achievable number. I mean, you think the number six and you go, that's not that many. But let's double it and say 12 comps a year. That's one a month. That's one a month. That's a lot. If you imagine that you usually need, let's say, one week of prep, not as in like a training camp, but usually like you need that the week of the competition to sort of, um, you know, make weight and mentally prepare and whatever it is. Mm. And then after the competition, there's still usually a couple of days where you're a bit shattered and recovering. So you might be looking at like, you know, per competition, you might be looking at seven to 10 days, not even including like your training camp leading up to it. Like just the, the very basic logistics of, you know, making weight and then recovering from the comp, you know, you're looking at seven to 10 days and then there's all the financial side and whatever. So to do a comp a month is a lot, you know? So to do a comp every two months, so six a year, that time will still tick through pretty quick. You know, like you'll, you'll still kind of feel like, you know, every other weekend you're doing a comp. In saying that, I used to train with a guy who, as a blue belt, he did in one year, he did 50 comps in one year. It's insane. That's, yeah, he would do, Man, well, like he, would, he would do one on a Saturday and then go do a different competition on the Sunday. Then he'd be back training on Monday and he'd do the same the next weekend. And so I competed on this Saturday gone, which we mentioned it. Today's or, Wednesday. Or, so yeah. Yeah. Today's Wednesday. We already ago. mentioned it. Um, I competed and I had like six matches all up six or seven, six, I think across the day, all of them went the distance. Um, like I got a sub on in the last 20 seconds of one, but I count that as going the distance because I'm I'm there for like five minutes, 30 seconds, right? So it was a long time in a competition role going hard on the mats. I fucking went hard and I'm still recovering. Like I trained, I trained twice on Monday, twice on Tuesday, and I'm going to train again today. And yesterday, last, last night, I, halfway through that session, I hit like a mental whoa, I had to go through like this. I was having a conversation with myself. Like I wanted to quit because I was like that tired, that sore. And I I remember having that idea of quitting in my mind and trying to like imagine like slingshotting it out of my mind, just playing like mental games with myself because I was, I was fucking wrecked. We did a hard session. I was grouped with two guys that give me the most trouble. You definitely had a hard, we did groups of three. And yeah, that was a rough group. Yeah, so I was with two guys that I've, I've mentioned these two lads so many times, but just to to put it in perspective, my game is counted by their game. So I'm pressure pass, they are triangle. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so long in both of their fucking triangles. It's it's insane. So it was like a, a kind and of I feel a it's style. about to get worse for you because at the end of that class, Jonas came up to me, one of the guys in your group, and was like, hey, Hads, what do I do in this position? And it's like exact sort of position that you would 
yeah. put yourself in against them. And I was like, oh, you got to do this, Jonas. So it's about to get worse for you. Excellent. Bring it. <laughs> but and, yeah, um, like, so, you know, 60 is a good number as someone who's wanting to compete. Yeah. You know, six, 60 you is like one every couple of months. You know, it's still a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Of course, you could do more, you could do less. Uh, how often should you compete if you're just the average sort of person? Yeah, like who's, a ha- who's happy to compete but not a competitor? I think twice a year is a good number. Yeah, okay. You know, if you do, you know, a couple a year. If you're someone who is like, man, I, I don't want to compete, like I don't like competing, what is the absolute bone minimum? You've got to at least compete once at every belt. Like oh, the okay, yeah. absolute minimum, I think, for me. There are very few exceptions. Like I'll give you a perfect example. I used to have a student where he was quite a competitive person because he, he competed in other sports and activities. Uh, he, I think he used to compete in breakdancing, you know, like he, so he was a competitive person, but he refused to compete in jujitsu because he was, he was like, man, like he's like, it's not like I'm against competing and I'm not competitive. He's like, but that's not, why I do jujitsu is like, he's like, for me, this is my de-stress and this is my therapy and blah, blah, blah. If I were forced to compete, it then takes away, you know, it's, it adds in all this like stress that isn't why I do this activity. And, you know, so it's hard to argue with that. Uh, but then again, he also became, you know, one of those blue belts forever and he's gone. I haven't seen him for years, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, so. Just, yeah. just on that, you might, my last experience, because we did an episode talking about how to deal with competition nerves leading up to my comp. Yeah. I was fucking really nervous. Even on the day, like I felt the nerves a lot. Um, even even though I said, you know, I w- had no expectations, which I didn't. Um, did you I take still- all those beta blockers that I gave you? <laughs> <laughs> all those steroids? Uh, no. So, but about halfway through the day, I think just after my absolute division, somewhere around there, I thought to myself going into the no-gi, I wasn't nervous at all because obviously I was like in the thick of it. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, who cares? I've already, but then again, I'd already done well that day. I'd already podium twice. And I was like, you know, going into Nogi, like, fuck it. I could lose first round and, and you know, and you're still coming away victorious. Yeah, I'm still know? coming away victorious. I achieved what I wanted to achieve. Like, I'm not nervous at all. I stepped on the mats for my my Nogi match. I wasn't nervous. Like, the whole the whole time I was I was fine. I, you know, rolled pretty smart, but hard, rah, 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 lost. But, <laughs> Another story. Did any of the things we spoke about help? Yes. In my mind. Oh man. I, I, I wasn't really going to talk about this on the podcast, but I mean, the odds of, of my first competitor listening to this very low. I, um, the, my first match of the day was against a guy, uh, in, in my weight at Guy, And, um, he actually had a match beforehand. So I had a walkover. Had a buy, yeah. well, it was actually, I was meant to, I was meant to compete, but I was a walkover. Oh, right, so the right. guy didn't show up. I actually ran into him later that day. Long story short, he was late, right? right? Unfortunate. Um, and uh, Fabricio, who we've had on the podcast before, who is the owner of Alliance Northern Beaches, he was there watching and we were sort of watching the match. And he was like, he just goes to me, man, you got, you, this guy's got nothing on you. Like you gonna fucking pump him. Like this guy, like, you know, he was, he was stalking me out, but he was like, this guy's shit. And then, well, okay. And I went out and it was a 
complete one-sided match. Um, I think I won by like 13 plus points or something like that. I was unable to get the finish, unfortunate, blah, blah, blah. But the point of the story is I remember just playing these mental games that we were spoken about. I was looking into this guy's eyes when he was on the bottom and I had him in a mounted triangle, something like that. And I remember looking at him, looking at his face and just thinking to myself, bro, you don't want to be here. You don't want this. Like, <laughs> you don't want this, bro. Like, this is going to get worse for you. Um, you know, I just had to play that that game with myself. And there's nothing against him. Lovely guy. Ended up chatting with him after. Awesome dude. Um, but I, you know, had to play that game. Like, I'm I'm going to win. I'm fitter. I'm stronger. I'm, I'm looking at you. You don't want to be here. I can see it in your eyes. Like, it's the end. And, you know, and that's what I had to do in the moment to, to you know, get going. Because yeah. I've had matches before where in the back of my mind, you know, I, I have that thought of not like quitting, but sort of not not doing what I know is required. You know what I mean? It's kind of like before, if you're doing hill sprints or something like that, after your first couple of hill sprints, you look up at the hill and you're like, fuck, you know, am I really going to go 100% or am I going to run 80%? You know, you know in your, your own mind if you're if you're giving it a, or you're all or you're not. And I've had moments on the mats on in competition scene where I know that I'm, I'm running up the hill, like I'm sprinting, but I'm only going 80% because like, you know, I'm mentally a little bit defeated. So I'm really trying to fucking weed that shit out. And I'm rather defeated just by the fact you said hill sprints. Yeah. I hate them yeah. so much. Yeah, me too. So much. Yeah. And I have one more question to right. close it out and then that's it because we're already a little bit over time. Um, if – so it's a competition-related question. If you are competing in the same bracket, same weight as a teammate, and you close out the the bracket at the semifinals or the finals. Well, let's say finals because I already I think I know your answer for semis. What do you think? What would you want to see as a coach? What do you want to do as a competitor? And what do you recommend that those two two people do if they close out the bracket and meet in the finals? Should they roll? Should they compete for it, or should they have an agreement between themselves? Yeah, I've competed against teammates before, and you know. It's a bit weird if you train with them a lot, but I think for for the, for the fans, you know, it's way better to have them fight. Mm. Um, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to make excuses not to fight as teammates when the bloody Hoodalo brothers fought. You know, it's like yeah. not only are they teammates, they're brothers, and they fought like maniacs. You yeah. know, like that was not a staged match yeah. at all. I watched that one. That's um, good. You know, but some of the some of the options, what would I want to see as a coach? Oh man. I don't know. I like, I don't really care either way, whatever works for, for the athletes, but I've seen a few options, you know, I've seen teammates rock, paper, scissor for it. I've seen teammates who more frequently close out together. They'll have an agreement where they just take it in turns who gets the win. I've seen agreements where, you know, okay, this person gets the win on paper, like as in they stand on the top step of the podium, but when it's all said and done, I take the gold medal home and they take the silver home. So it's like, you know, a bit of 50-50. So, I mean, you know, and yeah, I've seen teammates fight. All those options are valid. For me as a coach, I don't really care, you know, whatever, okay. whatever works best for them. You know, me as an athlete, I don't know. I've um, I've only ever fought my teammates. I've never. I can't remember if I've ever closed out with them. I don't think I have. I think I've only ever fought my teammates. I didn't really care for it. You know, I'd, I I like training with them, but I don't. Yeah, 
It's mm-hmm. not it's not for me. But yeah, as a coach, I don't really mind. Whatever works best for for the athletes. Right. I'm leaning toward not fighting them, depending on the competition. Obviously, this is never well, going to happen. Some comps don't let you, like ADCC. You're yeah, not if, allowed to close out. If you close out and you don't fight, they penalize you. And if they like if they think that you're fucking around, they'll yeah. they'll DQ both of you. So notwithstanding that, if if it was a big comp like Panpax or some some like comp that we both like actually wanted to win. I would, I'd be like, okay, like, you know, have that conversation. Do you, do you want to fight? Like, this is a big comp. We obviously both want to win. We've worked hard to get here. Let's just fight. Like, fuck it. You know, even though we probably both know who the, it's going to favor, but whatever you, you just fight and, and go for it. If it's like a local comp, like the one that I did on the weekend, I don't think I would want to fight yeah. to be honest for a local comp. Like, fuck it. I'll just go like, Hey, let's rock, paper, scissors. Or if you really want to do it and you're prepared to fight for it, you know, you can, you can sort of take it or whatever. Um, yeah, well, that that's like the conversation I I had with a with a guy. We were, I think it was in the semis though, and I was like, "What do you want to do? Do you want to fight?" And I was like, "I really want, I really want to win." Mm. You know, like I want to like win gold. He was like, "Yeah, I really want to win too." I was like, "All right, let's just fight." You know, and we did, mm. and I won. Mm. But <laughs> but actually, I think the last this guy Huffer, one of my best training partners. I think the last time we rolled, he might Huffer for me would kind of be like you and Toby, who like it's just like a war and it can go either way. I think the last time we ever rolled before I left Brazil, I think he tapped me. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Cause we would always have like, you know, we would always know who won the last roll. Right. So then that person would always be like coming for you. Cause yeah. Cause you know, you know, like last roll I had with Toby, he fucking smoked me. And the roll before that, he fucking smoked me. So he's got like two or three up on me at the moment <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. But the question is because, you know, Toby and I are same weight. We're both competing um, soon. And I mean, this is very presumptuous. We've gotten sort of close to closing out a bracket once, um, but I, I fucking lost it. Um, so I'm just thinking if it, if it happens over the next year, how are we going to approach it? And I'm thinking that, you know, we'd just like rock off for it. I, that would be my preference unless it was like fucking pan packs or something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that, so that was whatever, why I asked. Whatever works best for you guys really. Yeah. Let's let, it's a good problem to have either way. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than like <laughs> losing in the first round. Yeah. You know, and then you don't, <laughs> don't even have to have that discussion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. If you have a question that you want to submit to the show, as I mentioned in the intro, the first link in the link tree in our Instagram bio is where you find a way to submit audio questions. So we really um, are pushing the audio agenda or if you really don't want to Send us a message and, and we'll, we'll see. Um, but thanks everyone for submitting the questions to the show. And until next time, it will be episode uh, number 70 and that will be Ask a Black Belt 6. Yeah. So get your questions and in because it goes quick. If you've got any suggestions for our 100th episode. Yes. Also submit those and they can be in the form of audio. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But thanks again for listening, guys. And uh, check us out on Instagram at Beyond Jiu-Jitsu underscore podcast. Until next time, bye. 